Hello, everybody. Good morning, afternoon, evening, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the 3BY podcast on this beautiful, bright, clear early fall day. Well, when we're recording this anyway, I don't know exactly when you'll listen to it, but it's very, very bright out, very blue today here in North Missouri. Good for developing leaf color. Yeah, it's it's we're starting. Yeah, we're starting to starting to get into the turn. So we are headed off on the road as usual. So if you hear Roy no, Roy knows now, Roy knows we're Roy monsters. Ah, <laughs> all 117 pounds of me. Oh, you go, yeah, Roy monster. Now <laughs> we're not going to be talking about steroids today here on the podcast. Welcome to the show, and. Um, well, let Spice introduce this one for you. This one is called The Walking Wounded. The Walking Wounded. Because sometimes <laughs> you just gotta walk wounded. Yeah, whether you like it or not. Obligatory disclaimer. I'm not a physician. I don't give medical advice. What I do is engage in some activities that are vigorous. That wound you. <laughs> And have the uh, history of occasionally wounding participants. And some of them occur far from medical help. And some of them occur with medical help standing by. <laughs> because, you know, it's kind of that kind of sport. Yeah. Anyway. But in an emergency situation, you might well have some kind of injury. We're talking mostly about soft tissue injuries here. To the uh, joints, to the muscles. You might have some kind of an injury. There is no option for stopping and completely resting it. There is no option for getting good professional help. What you got in your head is what you got. And these are just some uh, thoughts, so you have a few thoughts in your head when that time comes. Yeah, I mean, you can see all kinds of scenarios like she's a hiker. I'm not a hiker. I do not like hiking. Hiking is a lot like walking with heavy stuff on you. <laughs> that does not really interest me. I, places. I like riding my bicycle. I like cycling just fine. But walking is not something I like, even a little. Which means I do it alone. Or at times. Or with a companion. Yeah, but often, I have often a, alone. I have a good hiking friend when I can meet up with her. But, you know. I end up doing it by myself sometimes. To be fair, we do have a dual. We have uh, cell phones, and we do also have, because a lot of times we're outside of cell phone range, we do have a radio set up, and she doesn't usually get that far away from me. But sometimes she does. And sometimes even if you have a radio, there's just, just you're just going to have to get yourself out of it. <laughs> so. And in an emergency situation when emergency help services were overwhelmed, you're a lot more likely to oh, yeah. be dropped on your own resources. And, of course, if, if the stuff hits the fan, well, then everybody's going to be pretty much on their own. So, anyway, continue on. As always, my first uh, favorite approach is not to play the game at all. So, appropriate footwear for what you're doing. Know that it fits you. Know that it's got a, a good grip on the kind of surfaces you're going to be dealing with. Make sure it's broken in. Yeah, just because something's expensive and it felt good when you walked around on it for two minutes in the store, that's not a thing if you have to walk a long distance in a pair of shoes. 
you know, this is this is one of my problems. I always I love sandals. I'm a sandals guy. I wear sandals ten degrees below zero because I just like sandals. But that's not an appropriate footwear for most hiking situations. It actually can be if you get hiking sandals. It's more about the rigidity of the sole and how well it's attached to your foot. Right. I wear cycling sandals because they're they're just exceedingly rigid. Yeah, they and would I, actually be suitable for a, a lot of kinds of hiking. Yeah, except for, remember the spider bite I got? Right for yeah. them. Yeah. No. As far There's up no on pro- that leg yeah. as you got, though. Anyway. <laughs> no guarantees. No guarantees. So, good footwear and paying attention to what you're doing will avoid a lot of problems, but sometimes stuff's going to happen. And the first thing you probably want to do is get an idea for what kind of injury you're talking about. You want to look at it fairly quick. Now, you might not want to take the shoe off, and we'll get to that point later. But you might want to look at injuries, if you can, fairly quick after they happen before swelling has a chance to set in. And that swelling can come on pretty darn fast. Because if you have something that is both broken and displaced, there tend to be funny lumps under the skin, and they stretch the skin, and they make, usually make the skin pale over it, and there's a funky lump. If that shows up right after the injury... That being not a good sign. Yeah, and we're actually to the point of that's kind of beyond the scope of this conversation. If you have a truly broken bone, um, that's really a medical. I mean, more of a medical. I'm not going to go telling you how to realign bones. There are sources out there. Please refer to them. And, of course, obviously, if it's at all possible, get medical help for any of this first. Yeah. Fortunately, my hiking partner is a doctor, as it turns yeah, out. It turns so, out, yeah. She's a, you know. she's a full-blown physician. <laughs> so, yeah, it kind of makes it handy. So that's that's my next suggestion. If you're going to be doing this kind of thing, you're bugging out with somebody, an emergency physician, a wilderness physician. Yeah, take Doc with you. <laughs> <laughs> Good choice there. Uh, uh, so you, you want to figure out if it's a break or a sprain or a pulled muscle or whatever it is. Because brakes are a heck of a lot more dangerous to walk on than anything else. Because if you try and put weight on a broken and partially misplaced or potentially misplaced bone, you could have slippage, which could, which could get ugly. And if I was in that kind of a situation, I would be trying not to put weight on that sucker at all. I'd be pulling out my trekking poles and doing a lot of hopping and leaving a lot of my weight behind me on the uh, trail for some some other lucky soul to find later. I wouldn't be putting weight on a break. So the dog that you're carrying in your big pouch in front of you? Yeah. The, the dog, dog ha- would be stuffed at this yeah. point. Dog's the dog would have to walk? Have to walk. It was cute, and it was a puppy, and I forgave it for needing to carry it. I knew that was part of the deal, but... Yeah, well, Doc could carry the dog. It was a puppy. <laughs> it was a puppy. Come on, it was only 12 weeks old. She did good for a puppy. We'll post a picture of the of yeah. Spice and the puppy. Not uh, putting weight on the bone that you are, is broken, especially if it's broken and misplaced, is the first deal. So what I'm dealing with here is the soft tissue injuries, the joints and the muscles. Right. If you think the ankle is sprained and the shoe comes up high enough to give it some support, 
I probably wouldn't take that shoe off if I still have to walk on it. Because the shoe's going to restra restrain the swelling. And a lot of the pain and limitation of use, not all of it, but a lot of it, comes from excessive swelling. If I had a, a cold pack in my med kit, which, depending on weight considerations, I might have, might not have, or depending on how high above I was above the tree line, you might have or might not have, oh, look, there's a patch of snow left over from last July. You've got an ice pack now. Uh, left over from last July? Uh-huh. You're high in the mountains. Yep. Boy, let me tell you what, you are up there, baby. <laughs> or we're in Australia. Yeah. Could be below the equator. Because there are places in the U.S. that never truly clear of snow. We know that. I was up there in August and found some of them. So it's kind of cool to come across snow in August if you are a Missourian like me. Yeah. Anyway, ice is good. Keeps the swelling down to begin with. Some swelling is going to happen. Excessive swelling is first a comfort and use problem, and if it gets more excessive than that, it's actually a damaging stuff by pressure problem. So you want to restrain excessive swelling, and ice is the single best way to do that. Not using an elevation are, and applying some pressure are right up there on the list. If you have to walk out, you may not have the resting option, you may not have the elevation option, but you probably have the applying some pressure option. The thing about those those portable ice bags, not only are they kind of heavy to be carrying around in your in your uh, hiking, they only last 15, 20 minutes. And that's fine because you're only supposed to put ice on things for 15 to 20 minutes. It's kind of, that's you get to that point. But it makes it a truly a one-use thing. And if you're walking out, you may need more than that. So Yeah, if I'm going on a day hike and weight is not an issue, I carry one of those suckers for the immediate swelling response. But that's all I'd bother to carry. And if it's if weight's an issue, it just it's not it doesn't get brought. But if it's there, hey yes, I use it. Now I, I'll admit our actual medical kit is stupid. We have a stupid amount of stuff in our medical kit. The, the big one. We, yeah, the big we one. We don't hike with it. We don't hike with it, though. No. Our hiking medical kit is actually pretty darn complete. We bought a wilderness medicine kit so we could have and all the, the stuff. And then we put we our need. own. We added to it. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a six of one, half a dozen. The other are buying the pre-made kits because a lot of times they put junk in it that you don't need and poorly made stuff. But if you put it together yourself, you get pretty good. But we've got a full-on stomp bag, complete medical stomp bag. But we don't care. That thing weigh, itself weighs 30 pounds. Yeah, that, that's a back, a back, back, back it's in a, and yeah. of itself. If, if uh, we get into a stuff-hits-the-fan situation, that is going on one of the pannier racks of my bicycle. That'll be one of them. Yep. If we have to bug out. Because we, we'd be bugging out my bicycle if, if it were that type of event where cars were not available. We're not walking out. No, and I, we'll we'll do we'll do we have a actually we have a podcast on bicycles I think don't we do, we do yeah so anyway check out our podcast on bicycles bugging out by bicycle anyway continue on sorry okay if I'm gonna have to walk on that foot I leave the shoe on 
because it'll help restrain the swelling. Uh, I probably, well, I apply ice at the top of it, which is probably where the problem is anyway. And I have usually an ace wrap because I find those so useful for those kinds of things. I'm not big on carrying things for bee stings. None of us are allergic. And minor scrapes and stuff, because if that stuff happens, I'll be fine until I can get back. Squirt a little water out, a little soap, you're good. Yeah. But I carry things like uh, ace wraps instead, because if I sprain an ankle, that needs to be taken care of right there, and there's really nothing else that does nearly so good a job. That becomes worth the weight and space to me. Because it gives you both that compression you need and the support you need to help you support the thing. And the ability to hold on the ice pack if you've got one. Right. Or if you've got a nice little snowball you can make. Right. So, apply the ice, put the wrap on over. How tight to put the wrap on? How tight to put the compression is always a nice balance. Because the tighter it is, the more it restrains the swelling, the more it discourages swelling. For very cool physiological reasons, I'm not going to take all the time to explain right now. Actually, she's going to add, we're going to put an addendum so you can (laughs) cut the podcast off early if you want to, and then she'll tell you why. He knows I really want to. He knows I I do. So at the very end, we're going to say goodbye, and then if you want to hang on and hear the, the physiological reasons behind this, she'll give you five minutes or less. Yeah. So you want it as tight as is otherwise reasonable to restrain the swelling as much as possible and provide support as much as possible. If your fingers are turning funny colors, the wrap is too tight. If, if the swelling is going to make your fingers turn funny colors, it, as, as you go on, it's fine when it starts, but then your fingers start turning really strange colors, like purple or blanched white or gray, depending on your underlying skin color. Uh, either one of those means you are not getting enough circulation to the limb beyond the level of compression. So I'd loosen the level of compression. I'd rather have the swelling than not get blood flow to body parts that need blood flow. So as tight as you can make reasonably make the wrap is the next deal. Then I pop out my anti-inflammatory drugs and take the maximum safe dose of anti-inflammatory drugs. Insides. Yeah. Non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. Which are drugs like? Uh, Aspirin, ibuprofen, naproxen, acetaminophen. Those are some of the most uh, popular and most often carried. Brand name Tylenol. Oh, yeah. Brand name Advil, brand name, you know. Yeah, know I'm, we, I'm not a big she, brand name person. Yeah, when she ever she puts our drugs in her little plastic baggies because we split them up because we're too cheap to buy the little individual packages. And uh, she says, so she, Labavdiyast of Lufflin's Lufflin Lufflin. What does that do? But then I put pain <laughs> two every four hours. <laughs> so, in case he's the one reading the labels. He knows which stuff to take. Yeah. Anti-inflammatories, it's not about the pain. I'm, I'm not against stopping pain. I'm kind of for it, in fact. But that's not what I'm taking them for. I'm taking it to reduce the inflammation. 
and the inflammation is what's causing the swelling. Swelling is part of that, as well as pain being part of that. So it's actually going to reduce the amount of damage done if you get a nice dose of anti-inflammatories in there pretty quick. By the way, as a total aside, and I'm sorry to do this, but we just passed one of the most ridiculous things in North Missouri. There is a a field that has two horses in it. One of them is a draft horse. The other one is a miniature horse. <laughs> and they herd together. And the miniature horse comes up to about the knees of the draft horse. Yeah, it's sometimes hilarious. you'll find him grazing in the shade of the draft horse. <laughs> anyway, just that's an aside. Press right along. All right, we got the anti-inflammatories. We got the uh, cold. If we got it, we got the wrap. We're going to walk on this sucker. We're pulling out the trekking poles. Because if you're going anywhere where the footing might be bad, uh, I'd be taking trekking poles. I don't use, normally use them when I hike because I'm in Missouri and the footing's usually places where I can rely upon it. But if I were in mountains or we've got a set for in case we do need to hike somewhere in an emergency sense, we've got a set of hiking, uh, trekking poles, they're called. Right. They're very light. Most of them are collapsible. They have uh, rubber tips usually on the end, so they are quiet. And they're strong enough to take body weight. So they're meant to help support your weight. While you're hiking with a pack on unstable footing, if a foot slips, you've got a couple of trekking poles down. So you got one foot in the air and the other foot slips. you got a couple poles on the ground. You're not face first because a heavy pack can, can pull you down right quick. Right. And of course there's the the um, user, the uh, the quick and easy trekking poles called looking for a stick. Yes. Now, here's a hint for those of you who have been hiking, you know this. Look near the trailhead. There's usually a whole bunch of appropriately sized sticks <laughs> where people have dropped their stick after using it as a hiking pole. Yeah. So if you don't take your hiking poles, look around at your trailhead, because you're going to find two or three sticks about the right size. But if you're not at the trailhead, your chances of finding something appropriate drop dramatically. It's, yeah, depending on, like here in Missouri, if you were hiking, you could probably find a stick pretty quickly. If you're in Aspen, <laughs> not so much. But actually finding a good stick is hard, because you want it light. You want it the right length, and if it's strong enough to be taking your weight, then it's too strong to break easily to the right length. Uh, you'd rather have it not have bark on it. You don't want it full of bugs. By the way, be careful when you pick it up. You don't want to stick your fingers underneath there and find a snake. They like nice shaded places. That might be where he's hanging out, or that might be where the uh, stinging insects are hanging out. So be careful when you pick the sucker up. And test the weight of it to make sure it's not cracked and all. That's why I would, if I were doing this for reals, I'd be taking the trekking poles because they'd be worth the weight to me. That's one of the things I wanted to bring up in this podcast is the value of trekking poles. Well, there you have. And, of course, you know, the, the per, one of the best things that you can do, strangely enough, to help yourself on an injury situation before you even leave is cut down the weight of your what you're carrying to the barest minimum 
because the more you're carrying is not only a matter of being tired, but the more you carry, the more off balance you're going to be. And the faster you come down when something starts to slip. So the bare minimum is best. Yes. I would not go short water or the ability to purify water because that can get you into a bigger problem than the sprained ankle will. But a realistic a realistic essay of if you're going on a day hike, a realistic essay of what is it I'm likely to run into means that you can leave a lot of stuff that a lot of people usually carry around with them in the car. Yep. So, or wherever it is you're going, or pin, or whatever. Okay, what else you got? That walking with the weight straight down on something like an injured ankle usually works surprisingly well, better than you would expect from the amount of pain. But you've got to watch the weird angles and the twists. Rumble strip. Yeah, twists are, twists are, somebody's had some, some serious knee problems. It's always the twists that do it for me. Yeah. Watch the twists. Rumble strip. And having the uh, trekking poles down when you're putting weight on that, especially if that foot might slip on, on bad, bad footing, is a, a valuable way to help avoid the twists. But you can walk surprisingly well on it. The other thing... I'm just watching for traffic here. Yeah, we were, we're at the most dangerous intersection in the north part of the state. We, you're like, it's a really horribly, horribly designed intersection in which there's been, the, deaths, in the 10 years actually. or less that it's been open, there's been a whole bunch of fatalities at that intersection because it's just poorly designed. Anyway, we're past it now. Yeah. Um, in general, if you have any kind of soft tissue injury and you're wondering whether to splint it, rest it, Put the arm in a sling, not use the hand at all. How much do you use it? That injury is going to remodel itself, and it's going to remodel itself according to how it's getting used. The old-style advice was to keep off something until it healed, to not use a thing until it healed. That's not the deal anymore because we figured out that what was happening is as the sucker healed, it was healing very nicely into the position in which it was being held. It wasn't being taught to take stress. It wasn't realigning the new material to take the kinds of stress that normally apply. And you weren't getting as strong or complete a heel out of it. And you were actually getting some muscle and bone loss while you weren't applying tension to the part you were using. So now when people get knee surgeries, they have a move in their knee that very day. The basic rule is try and use a joint through the entire range of motion it's got now. You bring it to discomfort. You don't bring it all the way to pain is the basic rule. Uh, I follow this rule all the time in my sports, whether a body part is injured or not. And so far it has done a good job of reducing the impact of the injuries I have had. And I've, thankfully had a relatively small share for the kinds of activities I engage in. In, and that's in, a high, in a high injury sport. Yeah. Extremely high injury sport. There's been some falls where I'm like, oh man, that was bad. Something's got to be, well, no, everything feels good. All right, up we go. Flexibility and is your friend. It was because I was stretched out. 
and I maintain the flexibility very carefully, even though I'm kind of an old chick at this point. But even still, this is, let's just say it's a full contact sport, and it's the kind of sport where injuries just can happen. You could be a stretched out, you could be in perfect shape. It, it's just your time and your time, you know. It's just injuries That's happen. That's why I've seen a whole lot of ankle injuries and how people can bones. deal. A whole lot of broken bones. With ankle injuries, yeah. I now know what an ankle injury yeah. looks like pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So, so quick quick story on the on the use it and let it remodel. Uh, we were on a vacation was it last year, year before, two years, two years ago. We went to Utah, and as you probably have figured out, I'm a photographer. I love taking pictures and I love doing nature pictures. So we went to Utah. We went to uh, Colob Canyon, Bryce Canyon, um, the big one. All over the place. We went to Arizona, northern Arizona, Sedona, um, all over the place. Anyway, at some point in time when we were walking, uh, I injured. Now, coming out there, I was waiting to get knee surgery on a torn meniscus, a badly torn meniscus. Uh, my knee surgery had been delayed several times due to, frankly, my... Insurance. Hmm? Insurance. Yeah, we're not going to go into. The, yeah, they they canceled me the day before because I didn't have all my insurance company didn't have all their ducks in a row. We worked it out, but anyway, it delayed the surgery until after my vacation. So we went on vacation. It was delayed it about six months. Uh, we went on vacation with a bad name. And I knew I was going to be very limited in the amount of, of walking and hiking I could do because this knee was actually quite painful. So at compensating for that, I broke, or I, I stepped on something wrong, and I hurt the, the ball of my other foot. So I had two bum legs. But I'm in Utah, and I'm in the most beautiful place in the world. And I, this is the kind of place, if you're a photographer, if the sun is right, if the light is right, you're 1,000 miles from home, 1,500 miles from home, and you're in the most beautiful places in the world, you crawl over broken glass if you have to, to take these pictures. Which he kind of did, Anyway, long story short, I I mean, I suffered through this trip. I suffered. I was in pain, like real pain. I've I've broken things before, and this was as bad as anything I've ever had. So I get back, and oh, a month or so later, I'm talking to my my knee doctor. I go in for a a pre- exam on my knee and I and so I told, kind of told him the story and he's like hmm well I'm going to shoot an x-ray of that foot just for because it still hurts right I'm going to shoot an x-ray for that foot and um, so he did and he goes back and looks at the x-ray and he says oh yeah I can definitely see you you cracked a bone right here well, so yeah. this, is, this is healing so just stay off of it some try not to put a lot of weight onto it but don't stop using it just back off a little bit, and and uh, it's healing fine, so there's really nothing we can do about it. That break made the vacation more painful, but it didn't stop the guy from going out and taking the pictures, so he'd actually been walking on it for... Yeah, I'm walking around on a broken since foot for... the time it happened. And some of these walks for like a mile or more. A stress fracture is not as likely to fall apart when you put weight on it. That's as, what this was, yeah. As uh, acute... In, in impact fractures are. That's the best thing about stress fractures. Okay, well, 
we've said what we wanted to say, so what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and, and fake wrap it up, and then she's going to spill the beans, the physiological beans. So if you're interested in the physiological aspects of it, hang on till after we say goodbye, and she's going to spill the beans. My end word for the normal part is use it as much as you can without acute pain. That's probably, but try not to shock it. There. Okay. And so if you're not a hardcore physiology person, you can just say, Have we'll a good say bye-bye. Day, non-physiology people. And for the physiology people, here we go. Okay. So what happens is you sprain that ankle, you tore up a bunch of tissue, a bunch of cells ruptured, a bunch of connective tissue got torn. This creates a whole bunch of chemical signals that rile up the immune cells in the area. And they immediately rush in to start trying to clean up the debris. They're looking to see if there's any foreign microbes here, because often, you often get that kind of uh, signal when you've torn yourself open, and they have to defend against bacteria or whatever. So the immune cells sense all that damage. They're rushing in. They're trying to clean up the debris. And they're releasing all these uh, chemical mediators of inflammation to start the inflammation process. Now, the inflammation process in and of itself is a pretty good idea if you don't let it get out of hand. It's going to make the blood vessels in the area get wider so that more blood will come to the region. And since a lot of your immune system is carried in the bloodstream, that's handy. It's going to make the capillaries of those blood vessels more permeable so that proteins that are normally trapped in the bloodstream are going to start leaking out into the spaces around the blood vessels and around tissue cells. But when that happens, it's kind of like a sponge. It tends to hold water. So more of the fluid from the bloodstream tends to stay out there too, and that's where you get the swelling from. You did this on purpose so all those nice immune chemicals and cells in the blood could more easily get out of the blood vessels to the spot where the injury is. But it's going to cause the swelling as kind of a side effect of that. So what you want to do, you never want to stop inflammation entirely because that makes it harder for the immune system to get there and it doesn't provide the signals that are going to trigger the healing. But don't worry about it. You take your NSAIDs, you're not going to stop the inflammation entirely. It's not happening. You do want to keep the inflammation under control because it's got no sense for how much is too much. And the bigger the signal, the more of it you're going to get. And when you get too much inflammation going on into an area, it actually impedes blood flow to the area because it builds up all that pressure from the swelling. And then the blood starts moving sluggishly through the area and you're having trouble delivering nutrients down there. You can have tissue start to suffer from lack of gas exchange. They're not getting their oxygen. They're not getting rid of their carbon dioxide. Bad things start to happen. So uh, wrapping and icing to reduce the uh, level of inflammation. And uh, when you can, you elevate it so the gravity helps pull the fluid down. And you also do this kind of gentle massage thing where you start at the far end of the extremity and kind of strip as firmly as is comfortable, reasonably comfortable, up toward the heart to help move the extra fluid back towards the heart and reduce the swelling. Okay, now as an aside, even when you've not got an injury, this is a really cool thing. Um, I'm going to 
we, we're going to hear some strange noises here, and I'm going to have her hand me my camera. So what's going on here is we're actually stopping and taking pictures for the 3BY website. This is part of what my trip is to come out here. So she's going to hand me my camera. And uh, But anyway, this is a, a really cool... Um, oh, sorry, weird traffic situation. This is a really cool thing to do just as a... Uh, everyday type thing because that the fluids are will collect in your in your feet after you've had a hard day even if you're standing on it or whatever so she she does this for my legs she'll she'll kind of grab my legs and then she'll move the fluid up through the um lymphatic system see and i call it moving the poison up she doesn't like that because it's not actually poison it's just fluid so the fluid that collects just during a normal day or if you've been hiking out of somewhere and Hacking yourself out of trouble, and you're not used to walking a whole lot, you'll end the day and your feet will feel like little bricks, and your legs will feel all stiff and really full. This is a way to help relieve the stiffness and fullness and increase the comfort of your legs, also reduces the soreness for the next day. Cool. So, yeah, hey, you're about to hear, maybe, assuming I get this on. Yeah. I have to pull the lens cap off. You're about to hear... Um, a picture being taken for the 3PY website. Isn't that exciting? You're going to actually hear a picture being <laughs> taken for the website. You you can't make this stuff up. This is this is you are in the know here. Here we go. Here we go. Did you hear that click? I took a picture that's going to appear on 3PY. Wow. Well, I don't actually don't know whether that was going to or not, but okay. So we're going to wrap this up now because I'm sure you're. Wondering if we've gone crazy. And that's about all I had. So wrap it. Spice out.